0: Uh, we are now joined on WBAI by Lieutenant Governor Kathy Hochul. Lieutenant Governor, thanks for joining Max and Murphy on WBAI. I'm
1: glad you're back. How are you guys doing?
0: Doing pretty Hello. well. How are you?
1: Great. Just uh, knocked off four counties today in upstate New York, and I've been traveling quite a bit, but i uh, glad to reconnect.
0: As you do, as you do. Um, so uh, let's start with the governor outlining a fairly ambitious, lengthy agenda, his legislative agenda for 2019 earlier this week. From your perspective as lieutenant governor, what are the highlights and, and maybe what are the things that you expect to uh, take a particularly significant role in, in helping make happen?
1: Well, as I have throughout my term, I'm going to continue being very focused on issues that affect the lives of women, and I am so excited about presiding over the Senate in the early days of the next session when we finally can codify Roe v. Wade. So that'll be one of my personal top priorities, as is the governor's, and other issues that affect women's health, like contraception care and making sure that's covered by insurance companies. And also, something that is embarrassing that we have not done in our state is actually passed the Equal Rights Amendment, something that we've been talking about for over 100 years in the state. So just couple of those right off the bat would be exciting for me, but I'll be working on some of our other sign- signature plans, which is to uh, make sure that our health care system uh, is not affected by what goes on in Washington to make sure that we you know, use our ability to make sure that every New Yorker has pre-existing conditions covered and has good access to quality care, and that we get the prescription drug costs under control. So those are just two of our issues, uh, right off the bat, health care, women's rights, but also, you know, I can go on and on because a long list. Uh, a very bold, ambitious agenda, and I love being part of an administration where we, we take on the big challenges. You know, nothing is you know too much for us, and uh, the bigger it is, we say, bring it on.
2: I want to ask about some news today about New York State in the context of the country. Apparently, in the 2016 to 2017 year, uh, New York State lost more people, or its population decreased more than any state, about 48,000. That's because, um, while there was a significant increase of births over deaths and people coming in from overseas, domestic out-migration from the state was about 180,000 people. Why are people leaving New York State?
1: Well, I would also tell you, we have an elderly population compared to other states, an older population. I come from Western New York, where there are countless individuals retiring, and I hate to say this, but they'd rather be in sunny Florida than upstate New York during our cold winters, that's just a statement of fact. Um, When it comes to job creation, though, the opportunities are here, and so we're continuing to fight to make sure that every young person knows that if they... Are born here and can get a first-rate college education, tuition-free at a SUNY school because of our tuition assistance programs, that there are jobs going unfilled here. They no longer have to do what my siblings had to do, my children had to do in years past, which was to leave the state in search for a better job. I literally went to three major manufacturing facilities in the southern tier and the Mohawk Valley this afternoon. very remote little communities where they had facilities where they had over a thousand jobs. Uh, Chobani Yogurt, one of the top producers of yogurt in the nation, headquartered in a little tiny place called New Berlin. I left Corning Manufacturing where there's over 1,200 jobs there. And I would say anyone who's thinking of leaving the state, let's have a conversation. Let's find out why you're leaving. Is it for your health reasons, uh, being your family? Climate, or if you're looking for a job, I can point you to the incredible opportunities in New York City, but even upstate as well.
0: And let's let's stick with that for for a moment. Uh, you announced you made some announcements this week. Uh, the regional economic development councils talk a little bit about the latest round of, of those. What are those? Uh, what are those meant to do? I mean, this is hundreds of millions of dollars, billions over over many years. A signature program of the governor's administration. Uh, what's the goal there? And and do you have uh, clear outcomes that you can point to?
1: Oh, absolutely, and this is what I do as Lieutenant Governor I travel all 62 counties every year. I go specifically to communities and businesses that have been recipients of economic development dollars through the regional councils. And again, as you mentioned yesterday, was our 2018 awards. We uh, talked about allocating $763 million to whether it's workforce development for people in underserved areas, giving young people a shot. Uh, It's good job training, whether it's incentivizing uh, colleges to take on new curriculum to make sure they're responding to the needs of the businesses, or to really help small downtowns that had been in decline and are now starting to come back. uh, Oneonta, where I visited this afternoon, and they received $10 million in a previous round. Money that's just helping them just bring back new life in areas that have been... Forgotten and abandoned, and people gave up hope on. So we can talk about true numbers. It's been over 220,000 jobs we can directly point to as a result of uh, the 6.1 billion that's been awarded over the last eight years. 7,300 projects, which is unprecedented. Uh, Everything from main streets um, do overs to uh, helping high tech companies uh, relocate to New York State. So there's there's numbers. These are large numbers. But I'll tell you, we're making a difference, and the jobs are coming back. We have over 8.1 million jobs here in the state of New York. That is the largest we've ever had in our state's history. And that didn't happen just by hoping it would happen. It happened because we had a very strategic approach to having the local communities, the people in academia, the leaders of the colleges businesses, labor, elected officials all work together to put forward proposals that are reviewed by the regional councils and to uh, to fund them. So it's no longer just Albany dictating where the money goes. It is really bottom up and I think that's really what's transforming upstate New York in particular but all over the state.
0: Is there somewhere where people can go and look and see the REDC investments in particular areas and the award winners and the direct sort of economic development results, the, the job Results is that is that is that clearly spelled down anywhere? My sense is that that has been sort of a, a area of of some consternation from some watchdogs and even some members of the legislature.
1: Sure, and this is a frequent question, and we all believe in transparency. And if anyone wants to look up one of the projects, all the projects, they are available online uh, through Empire State Development. Uh, it's crystal clear, you know, where the money's gone, how it's been allocated, and also uh, I believe it has the job information, although I can't guarantee that for sure. I just know there's a lot of information out there. So I encourage people to look it up because, you know, we are careful stewards of the taxpayer dollars, and we know that people are a little concerned about programs overall, but when they look at the results and have a chance to do what I've done, even just as recently in the last couple hours, and talk to the companies, the CEOs, the people from uh, the labor unions who are working at these facilities. And they are elated and grateful that the state of New York invested in them so they could keep their jobs in manufacturing. One major company makes component parts for space stations uh, in the southern tier, employs over a thousand people and drawing from young people who live right in the community. They also hire a great deal of refugees who've come to our state in search of a better opportunity. Uh, so we're really making a difference.
2: This uh, Earlier this month, the governor announced the formation of a Child Care Availability Task Force, and he named you a co-chair of that effort. What exactly is that task force going to look at? Is it about whether uh, child care is uh, effective, uh, where it's available, come up with new ways for, for making it available? What, what do you think the, the agenda for that group is?
1: all of the above because this is one of the greatest barriers to women achieving financial independence. And finally, our opportunity to close the wage gap is hinging on the ability for women to get childcare that's affordable and readily available in their communities. And whether you live in an urban area or a very rural area, it's all about how you can get to affordable childcare. And what, what we're doing is because I see the intersection of this and the impact it's had on women's ability to earn their full potential they stay home or they take lesser jobs or a job with more flexibility simply because they don't know who's going to be taking care of the children. And it's sad to say that women still are disproportionately expected in society to take care of the children. I reject that notion. I think there's a lot of, uh, it should be much more parenting sharing going on than there is now, but the reality is that women often feel the responsibility for this. So it is incumbent upon us as a state. To break down barriers that they may be encountering so what we'll do is we'll be identifying them based on meetings and hearings throughout the state of New York but also I work on economic development issues and when I'm speaking to companies my first question is and I said it today how many women are in your workforce particularly in stem jobs and management jobs I'm asking them what are you doing to help women particularly single moms who are in your workforce how are you helping them be able to work here and still take care of their families and the smart ones and the ones that i think we should be supporting are the ones who put together an on-site child care center that is the best world for everyone the parents can have a chance to check in on their children and they know they're in a safe secure place and they don't spend a lot of time transporting them there so we're just going to find out what businesses are doing, the smart ones, how we can help them, but also, you know, let's look at how much we're paying child care workers. Are we paying them enough? Are we having enough people go to uh, that field and want to be engaged in that? So this is a lifesaver for families and for single moms, and I can't tell you how many single moms had ho- households where the moms are earning minimum wage, which is another reason we're proud that we could raise the minimum wage uh, starting in January, all up to $15, which will make a difference. But it is still almost impossible to be able to pay for one, two, three kids in childcare, earning a minimum wage job, or even a, a medium medium wage job in this day and age. And we understand. We're, in our opinion, it's a crisis is a crisis that affects women, families, individuals, and we have to get to the bottom of it and and solve it.
0: I want to ask you a little bit more about the minimum wage for a second, but on the child care uh, task force, is that something we should expect to see uh, fairly quickly in terms of recommendations and something the governor might try to do something in the upcoming budget, or does that have a longer timetable?
1: That has a little bit of a longer timetable. We have a very aggressive agenda for the first 100 days, and this is one where there is not a single answer to it. So we need to continue gathering information, you know, what have other states done, what have the model businesses done, um, and, ha- and having hearings and meetings around the state will help us answer those questions. Gotcha. So, so we have an agenda that takes us through the spring, so I would not put okay. this in the first 100 days, but definitely this year.
0: Got it. Okay, thank you. And on the minimum wage, you, you mentioned this in the in the context of, of areas outside New York City, I think, in the suburbs, and um, New York City is about to see the minimum wage hit $15 at the, at the turn of the year here, which is obviously see a significant moment in some of those areas outside the state, though the the program that was passed actually does not say that it will hit fifteen dollars at any dedicated moment. Is that something you expect the governor and the legislature to revisit sometime soon? Is really sketching out a path to fifteen dollars everywhere in the state?
1: Well, there is a path. That, you know, there is a path that gets you know, upstate areas, which you know, let's admit the cost of living is you know considerably less outside the five boroughs in upstate, uh, and so I would say that it's something where people are excited about the impending increases, whether it's going from 10 to 12 to 13, but you know, it'll eventually get to 15 throughout the state, I believe that, and we're going to continue monitoring it, you know, yes, you know, sometimes you have to strike a balance, I mean, there was significant opposition to increasing minimum wage from many sectors of New York State we we burst through that opposition and we said, you know what, this is still a human rights issue to be able to earn enough money to take care of your family and not work 40 hours a week and live below the poverty line. But it also took into consideration that there are different wage differentials in the cost of living, depending on which part of the state you're living in. So we will get to that number okay. for of the entire state.
0: Okay. Interesting. Well, unfortunately we're going to have to leave it there, but we appreciate uh, you hopping back on with us, uh, Lieutenant Governor Kathy Hochul, and we hope uh, we'll get a chance to chat with you early in
1: 2019. Absolutely. Look forward to it. Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye. Take care.
2: We're back to say our goodbyes here on Max and Murphy on WBAI 99.5 FM. Uh, ben, we just heard from the lieutenant governor.
0: Quick takeaway from that. Well, I'm very intrigued by this child care task force. So I think I'm glad we got a chance to ask about that. And, uh, you know, it was interesting. A couple of things she mentioned that she'll be directly involved with. Um, but, you know, the governor had a very lengthy agenda. So, uh, you know, we'll see what. His top focus is uh, along with hers. We will be back uh, next Wednesday
2: to deliver our much-anticipated uh, year-end show, looking at big stories from this year and what we think will be big storylines in 2019. Been anything big coming up on Gotham Gazette over the next few days?
0: Uh, you know, we're looking at we're looking at a, a few things re- to follow up on the big budget piece that we did, looking ahead at the city and state uh, 2019. And I encourage people again to check out all the agenda 2019 stuff that both our publications have done. How about you? Anything coming up?
2: Some year-end looks and a few interesting op-eds, so check out citylimits.org, GothamGazette.com If uh, this is the last time anyone hears us before their respective holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Kwanzaa, Bon Iver, Retroactive
0: Happy Hanukkah,
2: Happy New Year to you. Keep listening to Max and Murphy Wednesdays at 5pm, and Happy Holidays, everybody. Peace on Earth, goodwill to all.